1: If you have ever experienced doubt because your prayers seem to go unanswered, then you can relate to Habakkuk. But do you know the rest of his story? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares more about the prophet Habakkuk and his inner journey from doubtful to worshipful. With a prescription for dealing with doubt, here's David to introduce the wise wise of worship. So we've been
2: talking here on Turning Point about how we enter into worship during difficult times, and we worship the Lord with all of our hearts, and worship is a kind of warfare that makes the devil uh, turn his back and run, and he's not comfortable in in the environment of worship to Almighty God. He wants the worship for himself. When you worship the Lord, it's an offense to him, makes him uncomfortable. He doesn't hang around. Worship is a good uh, way to keep the devil at arm's length. But there's an illustration of this uh, counterintuitive process of worship in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And one of the greatest statements about allegiance and, and the worship of God that you will find anywhere in the literature of any book And uh, if you are not familiar with Habakkuk and his incredible statement, you need to stay with us. Even if you are, you want to review it, because this will be a blessing to you, and it will set the stage for whatever you're facing in your life going forward. The next two days, the wise, wise worship from Habakkuk. And uh, we'll get there in just a moment before we do that. We're coming down to the end of the month of September, which means our pre-sale for the book, World of the End, is almost finished. If you haven't ordered yours already, I hope you will do so. And when you buy the book during the pre-sale, you will be sent some very unattractive assets that go along with the prophetic discussion. You can find out about this at our website, davidjeremiah.org. But I want you to help us get this book launched and out into the mainstream. We're very excited that the book is going to be released before the elections. You need to read this book before you vote. You need to read this book before you express your thoughts. Uh, It's not a book about politics. It's a book about the Bible that will help you figure out what to do with the political situation. The book is called It's Not the End of the World, But It Is the World of the End. It shows you how to create priorities based upon the prophecy of Jesus. And uh, you need to order it from our website and do it now for the pre-sale advantage. All right, let's open our Bibles um, to the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament. You may have to go to your index to find that book. It's kind of buried in the minor prophets of the Old Testament, but it's worth the search. And uh, we're going there right now. While I was in...
0: Michigan to do what I love to do most, which is to teach the Bible. Some friends who live in the area told me a story which in my imagination could not possibly have happened, but it happened there in that community in a church just a few miles from the Maranatha Conference. In that church there is a lovely Christian family, husband and wife, three young daughters. Just before I came there. They'd been praying for children, and she discovered that she was pregnant, and she was carrying their fourth child. In fact, time enough had passed so that they were actually able to identify the fact that they were going to have their first boy, and they were all filled with anticipation and excitement. It was the habit of this couple every night after dinner that the husband and the wife would take a walk. They lived in a rural part of Michigan. If you've ever been to Michigan, there are many rural parts of Michigan was just something they did and especially now that she was with child they were trying to do that more regularly and on this particular night the husband had a phone call from a business associate and was not able to go with her right after they had finished eating and he said to her why don't you go on without me I'll catch up with you she wasn't walking that quickly at this particular moment and so that was their plan well his phone call was extended and so he was not able to get to be with her as rapidly as he had thought hold that picture if you will in your mind freeze frame it and go with me to another house in the same community a young boy just in the latter years of his teenage years came home as he pulled his car into the driveway and started to go into the house he stopped and looked at the fender and uh, realized that there was a dent in the fender and he remembered having the impression that he had hit something along the road he went in and told his father that he thought he had hit a deer and he felt really bad about it and his dad said well why don't we go back and walk along the highway where you think this happened and see if we can find it. The father and the son were walking along the Michigan rural highway and they met the young father who by this time had gone to look for his wife. The father and the son explained why they were there, the father explained why he was there and together they began to walk the highway until they came to the place where the young man thought he had hit a deer, and I'm sure by now you have figured out the awful, tragic end of this story. He had not hit a deer at all. He had hit this young mother as she was walking along the highway. He had hit her so hard that he broke her neck, and she was in the ditch, and the husband found her dead. He was a godly man, a Christian husband, but there is not anything that you can imagine. Stretch your imagination to the very limit of the tragedy and anguish of that moment. Our friends who were from that church told us that the next Sunday night, in that little Baptist church in Muskegon, Michigan, or nearby, that man asked for permission to stand up in the congregation and give glory to God, and give thanks to God, and to praise God, and to testify to the grace and the mercy and the strength of the living God to sustain one during the most tragic hour of his life. As that story was relayed to me and we were almost all of us in tears as we talked about it, I thought to myself, is there anything that you can imagine? Is there anything you can dream about? Is there any resource that you know about or have ever read about that could so sustain a man that in an hour like that He can stand in front of his peers and give glory to God. I say to you, there is only one who can do that, and that is the Lord of glory, the King of kings, the God who is enthroned on high and who by his spirit lives within the heart of every believer. These days when our hearts face the imponderables are the toughest days for us, are they not? Questions that seem to have no answers, problems that we can't unravel. And sometimes when we face these challenges, we think that perhaps we are the only ones who have ever questioned God, ever asked God why. But we are not. In fact, this prophet to whom we have opened our Bibles, this man Habakkuk, was a man who question God. In fact, his whole book is a dialogue with God over the imponderables of his life. The book of Habakkuk is a marvelous book. According to the 19th verse of the third chapter, it was written by a Levitical chorister. One of the distinctive characteristics of the book is the fact that while the word Selah appears in the Psalms in the Old Testament some 70 times, it does not appear outside of the book of Psalms once except here in the book of Habakkuk. The word selah is a word that some believe is a reminder to the musicians of how the song is to be sung or to be rendered. It is a musical marking according to some. The book of Habakkuk is unique in the sense that it is not a book that was written to give us the addresses of a prophet to the people of his day. All of the other prophets that I'm familiar with did that. Their books record the messages that they preach to the people of their day. But the book of Habakkuk is not a message to the people of God, but it is a dialogue between a prophet and God himself. And it is the record of the questioning and answering that goes on between a prophet and God. It is literally looking behind the scenes into the heart of a great prophet who is agonizing in his spirit over questions that seem to have no answers to him. Someone has reminded me recently that the book of Habakkuk is the grandfather of the Reformation. Did you know that? In the second chapter and in the fourth verse, you have for the first time in the Old Testament the words, the just shall live by faith. Paul read Habakkuk and Martin Luther read Paul and that's how we got the Reformation. All comes back to the book of Habakkuk. One of the things that intrigues me as I come to understand more and more the message of this great book is that the word Habakkuk itself is a word which means to embrace, and I have to believe that it is a wonderful picture of this man who, as we shall see, in the midst of all of the unanswered questions of his day, he still was able to embrace the God that he served. And as we're going to see in the few moments that we have in this passage, the book of Habakkuk records the greatest turnaround in the shortest period of time of any book in the Bible from the first three verses of the first chapter to the last three verses of the last chapter there is a marvelous change in the spirit of this man now follow through with me if you will in a brief understanding of the logic of this old testament scripture the prophet Habakkuk lived at a time when the people of God were straying far from the holy principles of Yahweh his heart was literally broken by the sin of his people. He speaks of this at the beginning of his letter when he says the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even cry unto thee out of violence and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me and there are that raise up strife and contention therefore the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth for the wicked doth compass about the righteous therefore wrong judgment proceedeth as Habakkuk looked out at his day he was extremely frustrated by what he saw even as oftentimes we find ourselves to be looking out at a world that's supposedly represented in this particular continent by a so-called Christian nation we are as far away from being a Christian nation as any nation could be our nation is filled with drug traffic and murder and violence and rape and pornography and just about every vice you can imagine. And sometimes we look out at this country of ours, which we treasure and which provides our freedom, and we wonder how long God will sustain this nation without bringing judgment upon us, for we have been the most privileged nation in all of the world. As Habakkuk looked at his nation, the people of Israel, those were the emotions of his heart and so he began to pray and in the beginning of this letter we discovered that he felt like God was being inattentive to his prayer he says Lord how long shall I cry and you won't hear Lord every day I cry out to you because of the wickedness of this nation and it's like you're not there why don't you hear me not only was the Lord inattentive but at least from Habakkuk's viewpoint he was indifferent to the problem notice he said How long shall I cry and you will not hear, and cry unto thee of violence and you will not save? Lord, I cry out to you and you don't hear me? I tell you the problem and you don't do anything about it? And here is this nation which is supposedly your chosen people and they have turned their back upon thee and they are involved in all kinds of problems. Violence, spoiling, strife, contention, and then, oh do we identify with this, slackened law and no judgment. Apparently the courts in Habakkuk's day were just as delinquent as our courts are. People got involved and brought before the tribunal and nothing would happen. Maybe they had a long list of uh, court cases and they couldn't keep up with them all, so they just shoved them aside. I don't know what the problem was, but his comment was that the law is slackened and no judgment is done. And Habakkuk, who was a righteous, godly man, looked at all of that and he cried out to God and it was like God didn't hear him he said, God wants you to do something, and it was like God didn't even care. How many of you have ever been in a place where you've been caught up in the midst of a situation, and you cry out to God, and you wonder if you're doing something wrong in your prayers, because it doesn't seem like he's there. And then maybe you get a sense that he's hearing, but nothing happens. Nothing stretches the faith of a Christian any more than the apparent inactivity and indifference of God. So finally... Apparently, Habakkuk's prayers were heard and God answered, and I need to tell you, it gets worse before it gets better. (laughs) When God answered Habakkuk's first why, the answer he got confused him more than the original problem. Have you ever cried out to God and he's given you direction, and when you get the direction you're more confused than you were before you cried out to God? Well, don't feel like the Lone Ranger because it's happened before. And Habakkuk cries out to God and he says, Lord, when are you going to do something about these people? When are you going to judge these people? When are you going to take care of the unrighteousness in this nation? The Lord said, all right, Habakkuk, I heard you. And I will do something. Here's what I'm going to do. Verse 5, behold you among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe though it be told you that is the understatement of the text the Lord said Habakkuk I have heard you let me tell you what my work in your behalf is going to be inevitable and it is going to be incredible inevitable and incredible I will work a work in your days in other words you won't have to wait long for this Habakkuk we're going to see the judgment of God upon the wickedness of the Jewish people but the incredible thing is, I have decided how I'm going to do it. And then in these next verses of the first chapter, the Lord tells Habakkuk that the way he has chosen to punish the people of God is with the nation of the Chaldeans. Now, let me set that in sequence for you. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, were the most wicked nation in that particular period of time. You know how awfully wicked the Chaldeans were? When? God called Jonah to go and preach to the Ninevites, the Chaldeans. He went AWOL. He didn't want to preach to them, and you know why? He was afraid some of them would get saved. He didn't want them to get saved. He wanted them to get judged. They were the most wicked, awful nation. They were cruel. They mutilated babies. They offered babies to their idols. They had cruel and inhuman treatment of their enemies. They treated women like shadows. Every vice you can imagine that is current today anywhere in the world was resident in the Chaldean nation. And now God says to Habakkuk, I've heard your cry for judgment on the wickedness of your people and I've decided to answer it and I'm going to get the Chaldeans to do the job for me. And Habakkuk's sitting there shaking his head saying, Lord, this makes absolutely no sense that you would take a nation more wicked than the nation you're going to judge and use that as your whipping boy against this nation. Why would you do that? And the rest of this book is the interchange between Habakkuk and God over that issue. The discussion of the imponderables in God's dealings with men. As we try to sort out how Habakkuk got from his wise to his worship that he went through a period of involvement with God that is an illustration to us of what happens in our lives when we face the questions that are so difficult for us that seem to have no pertinent answer. If you will look with me at the twelfth verse of the first chapter, after the Lord has described the nation that is going to be used to punish Judah, we now find in the twelfth verse that Habakkuk responds, and this is another prayer of Habakkuk to his Lord. It is a marvelous, marvelous prayer. Notice, art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment, and, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Now just stop for a moment and let me point out to you what this prophet has done. In order to do that let me tell you a little story about a journey I took some years ago to the Hume Lake Bible Conference where I had the opportunity to tramp around in the woods in the beautiful mountain sections and to see some of God's great creation. If you've done that much, if you're a hiker or a camper or a woodsman, you know that back in the back countries there are often great swamp areas where it's very difficult for you to move from one place to the other. If you've ever been in that experience you know that one of the things you can do is to carefully survey the area and that periodically you will see that there are some places in the swamp that are above the water line and you can see that there is a little dry spot here and if you look carefully you may be able to see that the dry spots are in somewhat of a pattern which you can negotiate and get from one place to the other without getting into the swamp itself. What Habakkuk is going to do on his way from his why to his worship, he is going to find some of the high spots that will help him negotiate his way through the swamp of his problems. In his prayer, as he prays in the 12th verse of the first chapter, he extols the virtues of God. And if you have taken notes on this passage, or if you're in the process of taking notes, you won't have a hard time noticing that he mentions several of the attributes of God. He is eternal, art thou not from everlasting. He is holy, O Lord my God, my Holy One. He is sovereign, thou hast ordained them for judgment. He is mighty, O mighty God. Thou hast established them for correction. He is pure. He has purer eyes than to behold evil. Now, those five things in that particular prayer are the things to which Habakkuk gave his focus when he could not understand what God was doing. Do you see what he has done? He still doesn't understand what God is doing, using this unrighteous nation to judge the righteous nation which is his own. But in the midst of these imponderables, these questions, what he does is he reduces what he does know to the very absolute minimum and he calls out to God and he reviews the nature of God which is so very well known to him as a prophet. I make this observation to all of us who have ever experienced times of great questioning, times of hurt and discouragement, times of wondering, that sooner or later in our lives we will face moments when we are reduced to that which may be considered the least common denominator of our faith. All of us, as we look back in our lives, will be able to chart our lives with a would-be graph, as you would You'd be able to see that we've had high moments, we've been on the mountaintop, and we've had low moments, we've been in the valley. Just about everybody I know has that experience. Nobody stays on the mountaintop for very long, and thank God nobody stays in the valley forever either. But we move along the way, hopefully on an ever upward pattern toward glory, and we experience the highs and the lows of life when we are in the valley when we are in that moment of time when we don't know the answers and we can't seem to figure out what's going on it is at that moment in time when we are like Habakkuk we are reduced to grabbing hold of the truths about God which we know for a fact and hanging on to them with all of our heart Habakkuk his name means the clinger or the hanger on to the embracer I have had some wonderful high moments in my life, and my relationship with my wife and my family has been one of the great blessings that God has given to me. But I have also had some low moments. You know, pastors don't often talk about their low moments. We're always supposed to be successful and always up on top of everything, but I've had some moments when I was as low as I ever hoped to get. And I remember in the lowest moment of my life, What happened to me is exactly what I observe in this prophet. Often in those days I would swing my feet out of bed in the morning, put them on the floor, and pray something like this to the Lord in my first waking moments. God, I don't know what's going on. I know you're a good God and I know you love me and that's all I know. Lord, the best I know how I'm going to hang on to those two things today. I'm just going to hang on to this fact. I know you're a good God and I know that you love me, and I don't understand anything else that's going on, but I do know those two things. And you know, when you're going through the swamp land of trouble, sometimes you have to find the high spaces and you gotta step from the high spaces that you can observe, and you've got to put your foot over here on God's holiness, and then grab hold of a little turf over here and God's everlastingness, and over here to God's goodness, and over here to God's love and you can get through the swampland if you remember the God that you know and you review who he is don't spend time meditating on your problems that will not do you any good meditating on your problems just drives them deeper into who you are you need to get your eyes off your problems and remember again who God is and that's what Habakkuk did in his prayer to God he reviewed the nature of God that so thrilled him in his relationship with
2: Jehovah Amen Well, I'm glad we have some more time for this because we'll talk about it again tomorrow as we uh, deal with the incredible worship statement of the prophet Habakkuk. I've been telling you uh, throughout uh, these days that we have some special events coming up, and I want to keep telling you because the first one's, uh, well, it's just a, a little over a week away. We're going to be in Raleigh, North Carolina, at the PNC Arena on Thursday, October the 6th. This is our first event of the fall. On Thursday, October the 13th, in Orlando, Florida, at the Amway Center. On Thursday, October 20th, at Greenville, South Carolina, the Bon Secor Wellness Arena. And on Friday, November the 11th, in Buffalo, New York, at the Key Bank Center. And uh, we'd like you to come and be one of the many attenders who comes to these arena events. They're highlights for me. I look forward to these, even though they're kind of challenging in terms of the travel. They're one of the great blessings of the year for me, and they will be for you if you come. Get your tickets from davidjeremiah.org. They're free, but you must have a ticket. See you right here tomorrow. Join us. Thank you for listening today.
1: more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, My Heart's Desire, please visit our website. There you will also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of our 14-month calendar for 2023, Moving Mountains. Filled with inspiring scriptures and images to encourage you in your walk. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Available in several handsome cover options. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, My Heart's Desire, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids. From trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device. And play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game. As the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible.
2: The great Scottish poet George MacDonald wrote a childlike perspective about death and heaven. He said, if we knew as much about heaven as God does, we would clap our hands every time a Christian dies. Congregation breaking out in applause at a funeral could be misunderstood, of course. But taking the right way, I agree. The Scottish poet makes a powerful point. All we know of heaven is what the Bible says, but based on what the Apostle John saw and recorded in the book of Revelation, we should be overjoyed every time someone leaves earth and arrives in heaven. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's amazing plan for His people on Route 66. Route
0: 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com